is exactly what we wanted or expected, especially in the line of John's gospel. I don't know about you, but the Messiah that John depicts this morning can be a little bit scary. Anytime I get called a rude snake, I'm concerned about that. How do you rejoice in the line of John? And then we've got the other text. The Epistle of John. No one has ever seen God. That is the absolute consistent testimony of Scripture. God, by definition, has not been seen. We don't know God. God is invisible. God is distant. That which nothing greater can be conceived is how a medieval theologian puts it. Nobody's ever seen God. God speaks in the wilderness, and in the Old Testament, we, it says that God is hid in thick darkness. Want to get close to God? You walk high on the mountain, and maybe you'll see a shining light. But that's all you see, because nobody's ever seen God. Isaiah says, you are the God who hides himself. Nobody's ever seen God. Moses, up on the mountain of Sinai, is terrified because he thinks he might glimpse the backside of God. Nobody's ever seen God. Until later. Beginning about 4 B.C. in a little backwater place called Bethlehem, a little know-nothing place in the world referred to as Palestine, which is to say, nobody's ever seen God. So Jesus. Advent is a season of the year when the church comes to terms with this stunning definition, God has come to us. In Jesus Christ, we discover that God is available and present, and that God has a name and a face. And the name and the face is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. The, in the incarnation, God refuses to be the coy, stay-at-a-distance God. The great, grand, unapproachable one takes on flesh, and lives among us. That's what incarnation is about, and that's what we talk about every advent. All of the lessons, not only of today, but throughout Advent, tell us that surprising mystery. God comes to us. So, why does John the Baptist tell us to get ready? Well, why indeed? Don't you want to get ready if God's coming? Of course we do. Maybe John's not so curmudgeonly after all. Maybe John's just reminding us that if God's really coming, we're going to be prepared. In Jesus Christ, all the vague, aloof definitions of God get thoroughly rearranged because in the incarnation, God refuses to stay distant. If you ask me who I am theologically, I will tell you that I'm a Reformed theologian and that I will learn my theology from a fellow named Shirley Guthrie. And yes, that's a fellow. And Shirley Guthrie studied with Karl Barth in Europe. And Barth is probably the greatest theologian since Calvin, maybe the greatest since St. Augustine. 
And if I really want to put on the big hat, when somebody says, who are you theologically? I say, I learned my theology from Shirley, who learned it from Bart, who learned it from St. Augustine, who learned it from Paul, who learned it from Jesus Christ himself. <laughs> How's that taste? But Bart says this. He says, in our limitations, we can't know God. And God knows that we can't know God. So God comes and reveals himself to us. In his good pleasure, God is among us, not simply loving us, but for us. In love, God has encroached upon us. He has opened to us. And being open to us, God is open to who God really is before us. The greatest gift God gives us is knowability. This is the great word of gospel. God has turned towards us. We are without ability to know God unless God wills that we know Him. And God does. And so I confess being taken a little bit aback when somebody says, well, uh, have you found God? Because my response is, I think that God is lost. God's never been lost. We've been lost. But not God. A professor at one of our universities tells the following story. He says, I taught a college course on Jesus. I began the class by talking about the challenges of talking about a subject like Jesus Christ in a modern college classroom. I asked students to help me list on the board some of the challenges we faced. And so some of the students noted things like, well, Jesus was born a long time ago. He would be very old. It's 2,000 years ago. Others noted that Jesus spoke a language that we no longer speak and that the words we know about Jesus is in a language we really no longer speak. A few of us can translate. The records are sparse. How do we know which is the real Jesus? Yada, yada, yada. And finally, one young woman says, Here's the difficulty. It's difficult for us to think about Jesus because there is something about us, or maybe for all I know, there's something about Jesus himself that suggests, that suggests we have a stake in not knowing Jesus. Because if he is who he says he is, if Jesus really is God, then I might be forced by that knowledge to change my life. To change direction from the way I've been walking. And who wants to do that? We complain about how little we really can know about God. But the question is, you really want to know God? Do you really? We love this idea of the baby Jesus. Born in a stable, all the mysterious circumstances, angels and shepherds, and later on, and I know it's really an epiphany, but wise men later on. But do you really want to know the grown up Jesus? Babies have this funny way of becoming adults. They don't stay babies. Do we really want to know the grown up Jesus? The truth about the doctrine of incarnation, the grand mystery of God becoming flesh, is that it also has ethical implications for us. 
And one of the main ethical implications of the truth that Jesus is fully human and at the same time fully divine is that you cannot dismiss the way of Jesus as being impossibly ideal. Jesus was human, just as we are human. It would be one thing if Jesus forgave his enemies and turned the other cheek because he was God. But no, Jesus called us as his followers to also forgive our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us, to live without attempting to secure our lives through material possessions. And it won't do for us to say, well, that was all right for Jesus. After all, he was God. It must have been easy for him. No, it doesn't work like that. If we really believe in incarnation, Jesus was not only fully divine, he was human. That means like us. He came to show us that we're not here to simply sail out of this grubby old world. He walked among us and called us to discipleship in the midst of this grubby old world. The minister tells the following story. He says, one December, the church I was serving had a food drive for the hungry in our city. We put up a great big banner on the front yard of the church and we invited all the community to bring foodstuffs to the church where to go to the food bank and the ministry. Our goal was that we were going to collect enough food from the beginning of Advent to Christmas Eve to feed the hungry in our town for six months. And it was a great drive. But then one of our members called. And they said that they're going to have out-of-town guests in their home for Christmas. And they can look forward to bringing the guests to the Christmas Eve service, but because of that really unattractive banner on the front yard of the church, they decided to go someplace else. A banner appealing for stuff just doesn't seem to fit the Christmas spirit, they said. <laughs> and they're wrong. Dead wrong. Miracle of the nativity is a miracle that takes place right here among us. The baby of Bethlehem is here to serve the needs of all humanity. All our Advent scriptures say that we can't know God, but God knows all about us and chooses to reveal Himself to us. Jesus isn't just a great moral example. He's not just a helpful friend. What Jesus says is what God wants most of us to be. And that is, we are to be the followers of the one who came, Emmanuel. God who is with us. Now there's several implications of this. And the first one is, I can't make God be anything I want him to anymore. Not if we're going to follow the example of Jesus. That's the great heresy of our age. People on the left and people on the right want God to take up their cause, their political position, what they want done in the world. You can't do that anymore. You can't make God fill in your bigotry. It doesn't work like that. God has already defined himself. You want to know about God? Gaze at Jesus. Jesus didn't just come to us, 
Jesus spoke and taught and revealed. And now, if we're really going to be who we say we're going to be, we're forced to live life based on what we know about God, and that's based upon the life of Jesus. You can't pull this stunt of, well, I'm an Old Testament Christian. We read the Old Testament, we honor the Old Testament. You can't be an Old Testament Christian because the Old Testament doesn't have Jesus. You cannot be a Christian unless the focus is Christocentric, as we say theologically. Focus on the cross. In this preparation for Christmas, we would do well to remember that this is the Jesus who has an extreme bias for the poor disenfranchised and stranger. Because if we're going to ignore those folk in need, then we're not following the God who's been revealed to us. Another implication for this God who comes to us in Jesus Christ is that God has made God'self available to everybody. Everybody. Not the ones that look like you. Not the ones that pray just the same way you do. God's available to everybody. Everybody. You don't need some strange, esoteric, religious experience. You only need to be a human being. And you have the opportunity to understand this God who is flesh and our flesh. Like us. You don't have to climb up and find God. God's climbed down and found you. Third implication is that God must admit for us not only to love and worship and follow God in Christ, but we're also supposed to do that for the people around us. Christianity is not some impossible ideal, some heroic path. It fits our being. Jesus Christ made that sure for us. He came for us not only the object of adoration, but with the expectation that we would follow. As G.K. Chesterton reminds us, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. Christianity has been found difficult and not tried. God could have remained vague and distant and indistinct. Advent is the time of year when we celebrate the God who has revealed himself to you. You really get to know God. You can see God in the actions of this Jesus. But the implication of that is you're expected also to follow the actions of this Jesus. There is no God hiding behind Jesus. Jesus is the full, sufficient revelation of who God is. Melito of Sardis said in the second century, He who hung up the earth is in himself hung up. He who fixed the heavens is in himself fixed upon the cross. He who fastened everything is fastened only. The master is reviled. God has been killed. Because God came to and that's why Advent Christmas is so vital. Because it tells us everything we need to know about this God who is master of 
Father and Son and the Holy Spirit.